had loads of stuff there. Yeah, but that's only because I was like babbling. <laughs> I, re- I haven't got any babble ready. I was I was talking so much nonsense. I'm actually going to start again because that was embarrassing. <laughs> I'm Panicky in the UK, also known as Matty, and I do have a government name, but let's not bring that into things. I've studied English literature, I've also studied film, and I'm generally interested in literature, in pop culture, in cultural studies, and in speculative fiction, in science fiction and fantasy. So I'm super excited to talk about that with you all. What about you, Ashley? What's your deal? Um, well, I'm Ashley, and that is my government name. Um, <laughs> although maybe I shouldn't admit that. No, I think it's um, cool. It's, it's cool. Okay. We're cool. We're cool. <laughs> I use my government name usually, and I don't have any any other name. So I'm Ashley, and I'm a PhD researcher in material science. My background was in chemistry, and I also have interests in behavioural science and sustainability. But but the main thing is, is materials and technical textiles for me. Very cool. And you approached me initially about uh, starting this podcast way, way back in in the before times. Way back when, before I can remember things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we're going to go in back the back there and try to remember. History. <laughs> deep, deep time. Um, but you did initially approach me about starting this podcast. So, so tell me like what the kind of kernel of the idea was as far as you're concerned. <laughs> See, this was the question I was hoping you wouldn't ask because <laughs> I can't exactly remember. Because it's lost in the fog of memory. <laughs> However, I think it was because I'm interested in where science meets art mm. and humanities. And I think maybe perhaps I'd been to a uh, something like an, an RSA discussion Mm -hmm. on art and science maybe it was something like that I I can't remember exactly but anyway and I don't like how siloed the disciplines are I knew you were gonna say siloed at some point it's it's, it's the word silo transdisciplinary yeah no I was I was gonna bring in silos if you didn't get around to it it's too siloed and in I think as I've become more entrenched in academia I have realized how siloed it is and yeah, it's I totally the opposite agree. of what everyone wants. Every everybody in academia wants collaboration and intellectual freedom and to be expanding knowledge. Yeah, but yet we're all stuck in our silos with these bizarre red tapes to no, do everything. I totally agree. I silly. totally agree. And that's kind of what led me towards cultural studies away from, say, like English literature or film studies mm. per se, because I think that cultural studies is just a much more kind of interdisciplinary approach. Because I mm. put in like, it was for a module. Um, it wasn't like a real research proposal, but it was like a, it was a practice research proposal, essentially. But basically, my idea was that I would use anti-psychiatry literature 
of the hmm. uh, 20th century as a lens through which to analyse filmic depictions of psychiatric institutions and how they changed over time and the way that like gender and power portrayals of gender and power like shifted in those movies and essentially the feedback i got was well you can't do that you have to use film theory and i was just oh, like are you serious that sounded really interesting thank you i thought so too um but yeah and i was like man that is so depressing <laughs> like, yeah so i think part of the reason i i do like being in in the research center i am is is my supervisor and and the head of the department are very pro transdisciplinary approaches and yeah i could bring behavioral science into my phd and things like that um but nevertheless the the wider the, the wider field is is still everything feels much more closed than definitely definitely yeah yeah which is why i want to break down those barriers by having this podcast all right let's do it let's do it <laughs> yes. let's break down some barriers um <laughs> But I think the the initial idea was that it would be much more focused on like interviews and things with local yeah, artists and stuff. Yeah. And I think the idea developed over time towards more of like a quiz based format. I think we kind of landed on that. I think partly for practical reasons because it's not that easy to source guests always, mm. you know, um, especially when you're just starting out. But I think also we just liked the kind of structure, the kind of skeleton that it that it gave the show. I think it's worked out mm. quite nicely, uh, which is not to say that I don't think we should have as many interviews as we can in future. I think they're great. Yeah, I think I think as we get more uh, more experience in in this podcast, then yeah, definitely we should have more. Absolutely, more and we do have an interview coming up with a local artist and beekeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, called Barbara Keating which I think will be great Um, Mm. and I'd love to have more stuff like that but I think just for the kind of standard podcast format to have that kind of quiz approach I think works really nicely just because it kind of like keeps us going and it it, they just as I said it gives it a structure uh, which I think is really helpful but we spent quite a lot of time discussing um, a potential title and we threw things back and forth I remember one thing that we talked about was sci-fi faux fum right Oh, yeah. And that I still want that to be something that we use at random points. <laughs> okay. Well, we haven't done that yet. sci fo No. No. sci fi fo fum Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Oh, oh, I, I had something. It was sci fi fo fum I smell the pod of an English... Okay, well, that doesn't work. But... <laughs> no. um something like that anyway but yeah so we we thought about that and then i floated the idea that it would be called like stem but it would stand for like science tech and eldritch magic or something like that oh yeah um so i liked that but i don't know we just we couldn't decide and then eventually you no uh, science tropes and eldritch magic Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, because which I was the... unsure about to start because I thought maybe the eldritch magic made it too specific, but I, I, it grew on me. I know what you mean. I, I think I was just it, it was hard to find something for the e. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but uh, but yeah, I do get that. But yeah, science tropes and eldritch magic. That's right. So because tro- I mean, like a lot of what I'm talking about in my side of the of the podcast is science fiction and fantasy tropes, you know, and how mm. they play out. 
Um, and I spend a lot of time, like, a lot of my research is conducted on TV tropes. Or at least that's often my, like, initial kind of jumping off point. But yeah, we didn't land on that. We actually ended but I, up... I think we decided to keep that as a sort of subtitle, right? Well, yeah, but then I feel like we've got... So we've got sci-fi <laughs> we've got three tropes, so... <laughs> as, like, a random chart that we did. <laughs> and, like, science, science tropes. Sci-fi faux and science tropes and object magic is our subtitle. I feel like we're just like <laughs> getting too busy. Like eventually you have to throw something out. But yeah. Well, I we just... didn't discuss that okay, previous to okay. this this recording. So <laughs> okay. Well, that's TBD, I guess. But but we did end up landing on the Mohs scale, which was your call, mm. and I was happy with it. Well, you you originally suggested it though. Well, I didn't. I didn't suggest it as a title. I so basically what happened was I shared the the TV tropes page for the most scale of science fiction hardness in our uh, Discord yeah. um just as a kind of reference thing as like a point of interest and Ashley really gravitated towards it as a name and I was like yeah cool um let's do it you know um but it was essentially your pick I think um, so I was just wondering what it was about that name, if you can remember. If you can cast your <laughs> mind back that remember. far. Um, what it was about that name that kind of appealed to you over the others that we kind of tossed around. I think I, I liked the fact that it did have that the most scale of sci-fi hardness as well as the scientific meaning of the most scale, well, the most hardness test, which is for mineral hardness mm. and identifying mineral specimens. And so it, it's got this meaning ingrained in science and also ingrained in fiction and literature and so i i liked that double meaning totally i I think i I also quite liked the way that it 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 didn't bring any baggage or expectation in any (laughs) it it was like a blank slate yeah no i think that's totally true Mm -hmm. so i i think it's a great name what i will say is something that i kind of wanted to like address um is this idea of sci-fi hardness because that's not really something that we talk about that much, right? We talk mm. about how various scientific concepts are used in pop culture or literature or, you know, etc. But we don't really say, oh, this one is the most realistic and this one is the least realistic. And mm. I think that on my part, that it is quite conscious. It's a conscious choice not to do that because I really want to steer clear of this idea that hard science fiction as in um realistic science fiction is in some way superior because i'm I'm gonna bring out one of my little slogans now that i've come up with and i haven't run is these... it sci-fi faux fun no <laughs> um i i have two little slogans that i have come up with that i have not run by you but they're my, they're my little mantras for like my approach to speculative fiction. Um, number one is sci-fi is not sci-com, right? Mm. So basically what that means is hard science fiction, as in hyper-realistic science fiction, is great. But the point of science fiction is not to be realistic per se, science Mm, fiction you know it can be used to explore ideas and whether it's realistic or not it can be valuable in exploring ideas so Mm. it's not like oh this science fiction or this fantasy is bad because it doesn't obey the laws of physics it's like okay 
this science fiction is doing something different it's exploring ideas in a different way than this one which is adhering closely to the laws of physics so for example the expanse has a reputation for being hard sci-fi adhering to the laws of physics that's great but then you know something like star trek it's not doing that at all but it's it's telling stories that have resonance and it's exploring ideas and the fact that it's not quote-unquote scientifically accurate doesn't undermine any of that you know it's using a kind of alien uh no pun intended environment to uh, as a a kind of metaphor as a kind of metaphorical playground of ideas Mm. so the fact that it's not scientifically accurate doesn't matter because that's not what it's trying to do it's not trying to be psycom so that's makes a lot of sense to me Uh excellent good i don't understand why well yeah it's science fiction is never meant yeah (laughs) what you say makes total sense you you don't want it to be too realistic anyway that's not well you'd just be watching a documentary otherwise kind of i think i think realistic sci-fi is fine if that's what you're going for if that's what you want to do if you want to like explore the laws of physics and get like right down into the nitty-gritty of that that's great you know fill your boots but that's not what everybody wants to do and that's not what everybody is looking for when they look for Mm. speculative fiction and i think there can be a category of literal-minded sci-fi fan that will like rank science fiction by how accurate it is and i feel like that's missing the point it's if that's what you value that's fine but you have to understand that that's not what everybody values that's not what everybody is going to speculative fiction for and that's not what everybody is writing or producing or creating speculative fiction for um often it's for for very different reasons so this is kind of linked to my second mantra which is science fiction is not science prediction so speculative fiction i beg to differ okay please do go ahead (laughs) pretty sure that that's all science fiction is is just to to predict at least 50 years into the future and then complain when it when it doesn't well um sure i think you know some science fiction may have a predictive element and as we talk about in the first episode sometimes ideas that emerge in science fiction are then picked up by actual scientists and run with so science fiction can sometimes actually influence real scientific developments which is cool and great and i love it however I think it would be a mistake to imagine that science fiction authors in the main are trying to predict what is going to happen in the future. And I have a quote uh, from Cory Doctorow here, uh, which is, I don't think that science fiction writers predict the future. Science fiction has always been about the present, even when it's dressed in futuristic trappings. We write stories that try to address the effect of technology on society and vice versa. So that's Cory Doctorow, um, who's a pretty interesting guy and science fiction author. And, you know, I've had this discussion with people who will say things like, oh, well, you know, Orwell got this right in 1984, but he got this wrong. And it's kind of like, well... When Orwell was writing 1984, he wasn't trying to literally predict what was going to happen in 1984. He was actually writing a metaphorical account of the Soviet Union, right? 
Like, that was his concern, is that he was a socialist, but he was very deeply concerned about what was happening in the Soviet Union at the time, and Stalinism. And he was writing in 1948, he flipped the digits, he was writing about the present, and he was writing about what he was seeing happening in the world around him at the time. And so I think it is... It is a mistake to imagine that science fiction is meant to be primarily predictive when actually most of the time it is a reflection of what is happening in the society that's producing that science fiction. And it is generally much more about the present than it is about the future. Uh, and Ursula Le Guin has written something similar about uh, fantasy. Uh, and this was in an afterwards to the tombs of Atuan. Uh, which she wrote in the 60s, but she wrote this afterward many years later uh, in the 21st century. And she wrote, To me, fantasy isn't wishful thinking, but a way of reflecting and reflecting on reality. So again, you know, sometimes people will make the argument, well, you can do anything in fantasy, so why would you have racism and why would you have sexism? And sure, you know, if the fantasy that you want is purely an escapist fantasy or a utopian fantasy then sure but sometimes when people are writing fantasy they're doing it to explore things that are happening in the real world you know and to reflect them and I just think it's really important to keep that in mind that so often speculative fiction although it's very imaginative and very creative and it can be very escapist most of the time it is reflecting on something in reality and something that is of immediate concern to the author and, and the world that they live in. Uh, so that's uh, my little philosophy when it comes to looking at these surely texts. In, <clears throat> surely in many fantasy and science fiction you need you need the reality to kind of juxtapose the fiction or be a counterweight to kind of I suppose, add weight to the imaginary side of it? Possibly. I, I really think it varies. I think you can go absolutely hog wild um, with your fantasy and your science fiction, or you can keep it very grounded. And I think mm. what matters is having something that resonates with people, whether that's something kind of universal about the human condition or whether that is something that is very immediate to the present moment or, you know, whether it has to do with character or whether it just kind of captures people's imagination in a way, you know, like if it's incredibly kind of hallucinatory, sometimes mm. that can capture people's imagination. It doesn't have to be grounded. So I, don't, I wouldn't say that there are kind of hard and fast rules as far as that goes. And again, like, mm. hey, um, as I said, hard sci-fi, great if that's what you want. It's just not the only valid form of sci-fi. And likewise, you know, fantasy and sci-fi that is primarily social commentary is great. I'm not trying to say it's the only valid form of speculative fiction by a long shot. I'm just saying I think that is usually what it's doing more than it is predicting the future or presenting a kind of utopian escapism. I think it's much more often reflecting on some aspect of the reality of the author's life or the society that they live in. But I don't want to be dogmatic about any of this. In fact, what I'm kind of trying to put across is like an anti-dogmatism, <laughs> as in, like, science fiction isn't good 
whether science fiction or speculative fiction is good or bad doesn't rest on whether it predicts the future and doesn't rest on whether it's scientifically accurate. And, you know, that can be part of it, but that's not what makes it good or bad. That's kind of what I'm trying to say, is that th- there's a lot of room at the table for different approaches. Whereas the science does need to be based on what's accurate. Yeah, well, yeah. From that... my perspective. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I try to make sure it's as accurate as is feasible because obviously it's it's a never changing subject that new evidence could appear any day and make everything I've said in an episode completely wrong. <laughs> Indeed. I'll put that out there right now. <laughs> <laughs> so that covers all your bases. Yep. <laughs> if I ever say anything incorrect it's just because the evidence changed. <laughs> and we'll actually we'll get to that in a moment. But before we move on to um, evidence changing and times <laughs> time marching on, I do just want to quickly pick up on something so we applied for a little bit of funding. We did not get it. Story of my Bad life. Um, but um, but we, we were kind of trying to like brainstorm or um, thought shower. Because <laughs> 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 um, you're not allowed to say brainstorm anymore. We were, we were trying to devise a kind of mission statement, I guess. And... Something that you wrote for it I found really interesting and I wanted to kind of unpack it a little bit um, Mm -hmm. if you don't find the term unpack too obnoxious. (laughs) I know some people do. So what you said was, science needs art to turn facts into feelings, reality into humanity. To achieve this, communication needs to be fluid. So I found that interesting. I'm not 100% sure I agree with you, but I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to like dig into that statement a little bit. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm I guess what I feel about it is I I worry, I guess, that the implication in that statement is that art is almost kind of like a handmaiden to science, that like science is the thing and then art is the reflection of the thing. Does that make sense? I do see what I I see how it does sound like that and I and I, it it does but I suppose I'm saying that to a scientific discipline who sometimes do think that they're the thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't agree with that and I suppose that that's where my position comes from in that mm. statement. Yeah, no, I under, and, I but, understand what you mean, yeah. But yes, I suppose I'm saying it speaking to those that may not agree yeah <laughs> um, so so I, yeah um, so know I, your I'm... audience basically is what you're saying <laughs> yeah i guess it's just, it's kind of in contrast to what i'm saying which is art doesn't necessarily need to reflect scientific reality literally in order to be valuable mm. no I, I agree i think from my perspective i'm thinking as as a scientist we spend a lot of our time with looking at numbers and facts mm. and graphs and sometimes i think it's changing but historically you've almost been looked down upon if you if you just want to go and communicate your science to an extent like you're not a real scientist if your head's not down in the lab and you're oh, doing lots wow. of experiments interesting and it's kind of like fluffy if you're going and talking and yeah, presenting and spending your time at conferences yeah 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 um, but without that you can't actually make the impact yeah and you become insular and you're not yeah and you could be doing the greatest science in the world and you may even win a nobel prize because some people will recognize it but for the majority it, it becomes 
to obscure and niche. Yeah, and, and it's an accessibility issue as well, isn't mm, it? Indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm really glad that we dug into that because I think that's a really good point, and um, I'm yeah, very valuable. Awesome. Um, but yeah, so we did briefly mention that um, sometimes uh, reality will supersede. Wait, no. <laughs> Basically that, you know, um, science is an onward march and and sometimes things will become outdated. And speaking of things becoming outdated, <laughs> we, uh, we did record our first batch of episodes way, way back. I want to say it was like the first quarter of 2021, pretty much. I think it was January 2021 when we started. So, yeah, yeah, and probably like went through into the spring. Oh God, it's been nearly 18 months now. I know, man. Um, so that went quickly I know so basically like yeah we we recorded a batch of episodes and we were really happy with them and we had a blast um and everything had a lot of fun recording them no we totally did and it just was one of those things where we built up a bank of episodes but we hadn't started editing yet and then it was like life kind of got on top of us and I think also it was kind of like a perfectionist thing where it's kind of like oh the audio isn't like a hundred percent perfect here so we have to like make it perfect before we can put it out and I think basically we've both come to a point now where we're like the perfectionism is getting in the way definitely (laughs) and so we're gonna start putting them out very soon and, and then, it'll, it'll, they'll, they'll improve as we go along. They'll improve so the first as we episodes go may, <laughs> may, may be a little bit imperfect because so, we, we've just put them out there without perfecting. Well, but that's fine. It's no, fine. I th- no, but I think it's, you know, the perfect is the enemy of the good. And I think it's really important that we just start publishing these episodes. Um, so just to say, you know, sometimes they can be a little bit rough. And indeed, this episode may be a little bit rough. But I think that it's better to have something rough that's out there than have something perfect that doesn't exist um so um so yeah so i'm sure that ties in with a lot of what we've just said in the last 15 minutes as well (laughs) about what what does and doesn't exist and and what's out there and what isn't (laughs) show um sci-fi so all of that said um Hopefully we are going to be uh, pushing those episodes out super soon and I'm really excited to get them out there and into your ear holes. Ugh, gross. <laughs> oh, had... you just made that weird. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wish that upon anyone. <laughs> I mean, technically that is where they go, but you know what I mean. I didn't mean to make it weird. Um, I want to send the delightful sound waves bouncing around your eardrums. That sounds less weird, right? <laughs> um but no for real uh we're we're nearly done and um i can't wait to share it with you and uh thank you for your patience uh you didn't know you were waiting but now you didn't know you didn't know this is what you were waiting for (laughs) but now you know um but they'll be with you very soon and i i hope that you enjoy them as much as we enjoyed making them and uh, we want to carry and to on be honest even if you even if you don't enjoy them it doesn't matter because we enjoyed making them yeah so. you know what screw you guys yeah <laughs> we don't need you <laughs> yeah later <laughs> all right bye <laughs>